Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and as always, we are joined by producer Annabelle Lane. Hello. Hello. You sound a bit croaky there. I know. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Too Come much karaoke. <laughs> oh my God. Coming up on today's show, the Aussie reporter who butchered his million-dollar interview with Adele, the oddest couple of 2021, Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson, step out with hickeys. Plus, (laughs) Married at First Sight scrambles to fix their massive casting blunder. Jennifer Lawrence is back. And then we open the shameless mailbag. So much to do. So much to do. But first, Zara McDonald, how was your week? A pretty good week, team. Not a bad week. I do have a mildly funny story for you. I won't lead with a funny story. I have like a relatively funny story for you. You have a glint in your eye though. You're like, <laughs> I, I have something it to bring to the table. It was such a bloody coinkydink okay. that this happened. I was pretty blown away. So on Saturday afternoon, Ollie and I had not much to do. It was about 4pm and we have two episodes left of Morning Wars. And we said, let's watch them. So we get in front of the TV and we start watching an episode. And when that episode finishes, I said to Ollie, all right, I've got to go get ready because I was heading out for the night. So I go and shower and do my hair and put my makeup on and I come back and he's 40 (gasps) minutes into the finale. Ollie. Because he fell asleep? No, because he said, oh, I forgot you left the room. (laughs) And I said... What kind of excuse is that? And I was like, I he, I don't even think he'd listened to our episode. I don't think he even knew that Mitch did that. His excuse was, I forgot you left the room. It's nice to know you have such an impact on him. So much presence. A huge presence in our apartment. What the hell is wrong with our partners? Mitch, actually, thanks to the shameless listener this week who stopped Mitch and said, I heard that you're awful when it comes to television. And Mitch hadn't listened to the episode, so he had no idea how. He's like, thank you for holding me accountable in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, and thank you for ragging on me when I can't hear it myself. Although he has the opportunity to tune in. He just didn't. So I missed the finale. I go, I have to go and watch the finale by myself. Is episode 10 the finale? Because I, I think know. I've watched all the episodes and it, it, I know it, we've said this, but season two of Morning Wars. I've pushed through it, but it's not great. I do have a recommendation. I'm not entirely sure how you're going to feel about this one. It is a podcast. And I thought that there perhaps has been an oversaturation <laughs> of Diana content, Princess Diana content. Yeah, look, I'm more tired of it now given it was a huge cultural moment at the end of 2020. Yes, and I thought I was over it, but I'm not. So there is a podcast by CNN at the moment that is new. It is called When Diana Met. And I think one of the biggest draw cards for me is its host. It's hosted by Amina Tussauds, who mm. hosts Call Your Girlfriend. Yes. Yeah, really cool. And so she basically hosts this podcast and it's done really interestingly it's like when Diana met and then the first episode is Camilla and so it's like a story about all these key meetings in Diana's life the next one is when Diana met William and Harry and so there's only two episodes live at the time of recording but I like how they've structured it I like the host and if you can't get enough of Diana content there's more go girl I love that recommendation I really I just it's really nice we all need some sugar yeah how was your week I had a good 
good week. I had an interesting run-in with a shameless listener this week. I was at the beautician and I was getting something done that required partial or like almost full nudity. (laughs) And when I walked into the beautician, the person or the woman at the reception desk gave me a look. And sometimes you'll recognize it, Zara. Sometimes we see someone, we go, oh, they're looking at us like maybe they're a listener and maybe they're going to come say hi, which we love, by the way, always feel free to come up and say hi. With one exception. I was just about to say, I feel like there's a butt coming. (laughs) (laughs) Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Val, you would love that. I really enjoyed that. I hate us. (laughs) With one exception. I saw this listener and she was lovely. Let me tell you, if you're listening to this, you're a lovely listener. Very grateful for your listenership. Thank you for the support. But please, shameless listeners... If one of us is naked, <laughs> if you can see our bodily parts, please don't take that opportunity to tell us how much you love the show. <laughs> I have. She told me mid-cosmetic thing and was so close to my genitalia that I was like, this is just unusual. Like you are staring into my butt crack right now <laughs> and I'm very grateful for you, but I've never felt more exposed or vulnerable in my entire life. Is that just a general rule now? If you can see parts of our body on display, <laughs> you're not allowed to say that you listen to the podcast. Genuinely. Or just wait till after. Wait till well, after. Well, we should have like a secret signal where they can kind of wink there. Actually, that's probably way creepier, <laughs> creepier. than anything else. Wink into my butt crack. <laughs> I haven't had that happen. I think the only time that's... <laughs> ever not being particularly ideal is buying a pregnancy test for chemist. Oh, and no. And I was like, oh, this is quite exposing. I am clearly not in the, the greatest place right now if I am running to the chemist doing this. So was it the person at the checkout counter yeah. scanning. scanning your pregnancy test? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That but, is amazing. But do always say hi. Okay, so two, <laughs> two exceptions. Always say hi. We always want to meet you. We always want to have a chat, except for when one of us is naked or one of us is buying a pregnancy test. I actually didn't mind the pregnancy test so much because I said to you straight away, I was like, oh, God, I feel a bit awkward. And you were like, literally, so it happens to all of us. And I was like, yeah, it does. Who cares? We all get pregnancy tests at some point. <laughs> Whatever. So fine. Do you have a recommendation? I do. I need you guys. This is a recommendation where I need you to get on board because it is excellent. My Body by M. Rada. It's her new book. She has written a series of essays. It's kind of like a great mix between theoretical essays, idea-based essays with a memoir, essentially. You find a lot out about Emrata, the very famous supermodel's life. I had muddled expectations going into this. We know that Emrata has had an interesting history in the public eye, has been sometimes a walking contradiction, I would say, when it comes to her actions and what she kind of holds as a belief system. I am, I think, three hours into this audiobook. I'm more than halfway. I've only been listening to it for a day. I demolished the first half and I just, I want to talk to people about it. Like, there's so much stuff in this audiobook or in the book, if you want to read it, that is fascinating and gripping and gritty. Like, yeah. so much stuff about Imrata's mum and her dad that I really want to talk to someone about. Right. Okay. Because I think you'll pull me in on the personal elements. The theory and the uni style essays, I don't know if I can really jump on board at this age. I just feel like it feels like dense reading sometimes when you're reading essays. I almost want to backtrack that. It's not uni essays. Okay. It's just like she's very introspective and can unpack her own thoughts on things. It is not boring. I can guarantee you that it is very, very interesting, particularly if you care about Emrata as a celebrity, but also if you care about women's bodies, feminism, body image, commodification of the way that we look, the beauty industry. So far, I mean, I haven't finished, I would give this a 10 out of 10. Wow. Is she reading the audiobook? She is reading the audiobook, which helps. I like that you're going for the audiobook. This sounds like a book that I would like to read or listen to, actually, as an audiobook. So good rec. Thanks, guys. (laughs) You're very welcome. Before we jump into our first segment of the show, The Books That Changed My Life is back. Season two is back. That is the show we do exclusively with Listener. The Listener app is free to download. We have our first episode live with Lisa Wilkinson. If I may say so myself, it's a banger. It is a banger. It is such a good episode. And let me like quell your concerns. If you are listening to this going, oh, I'm not really into books. I'm not a huge reader. I'm more into TV, whatever. No problem. We spend like 15% of an episode speaking about the books. 85% is speaking about someone's life. And Annabelle Lee. That's me. You (laughs) know that to be true because our second episode, which drops next Tuesday, 
is with you. It was. It was a bit nerve-wracking, to be was honest, it? being interviewed by your bosses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really backed into a corner. There's no escape. I loved this chat with you. It was a real delight to have. You were wonderful on it. I cannot wait for everyone to listen. So that is next Tuesday. Download the Listener app now. As we said, it's free to download. The podcast will live there. We've got Lisa live, Annabelle coming. Don't say we don't give you anything. <laughs> I'm excited for people to hear about your story. Me too. We'll see you guys there. Are you, are you nervous? <laughs> yes. So if you don't like the interview, don't come into my DMs. <laughs> I don't want to hear from you. I don't think they will. <laughs> guys, let's get into the first part of this show. We are starting with that million-dollar car crash of an interview between Matt Doran and Adele. Matt Doran and Adele. I can't believe these two people have found themselves in a headline side by side. If you are unfamiliar... Matt Doran is a 37-year-old former crime reporter who is the host of Weekend Sunrise on Channel 7. He is kind of being primed, according to local publications, to be David Kosh's replacement when Koshy eventually leaves morning television. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, that's definitely what some news publications are sort of hinting to. But I think if you're hosting the Weekend Breakfast TV show on Channel 7, that's sort of like... It's a pretty obvious point for me yeah. to make, isn't it? <laughs> it? It does tend to make sense. Now, as we know, Adele's much-anticipated album 30 dropped on Friday and there has been an incredible amount of press behind it. That record label is putting a bunch of money behind this album. I'm really obsessed with it all. The concerts, the fanfare, the coverage. It's really, really impressive. So basically what happened in this story is on Sunday morning, a report broke in the Daily Telegraph with this as the lead. TV host Matt Doran was suspended by seven network bosses after offending pop diva Adele when he admitted he hadn't listened to her new album. I can't get over this story. So what happened here? Reportedly, Matt Doran was sent to London, no easy or small feat in the time of COVID. He was sent from Sydney to London with an entire crew on November 4 to record an exclusive interview with Adele. Now, this was part of a massive package that Channel 7 had signed with CBS and Sony Pictures. Now, this was a pretty big deal. In fact, it was the only deal that Adele did with any Australian television network. It included the broadcast rights to Sunday night's Oprah Winfrey free one night only special, a two hour concert and the real clincher, an exclusive interview with Matt Doran. Yes, which is, I imagine, I mean, I'm not a Channel 7 executive, I will put it out there, but I imagine that's really what they wanted, right? They just wanted an exclusive interview with Adele. And I imagine that CBS and Sony Pictures say, we'll sell you the interview if you buy all this other stuff as well. Because the concert and like the Oprah interview, that stuff's floating around. That's on social media. You can kind of find bits and pieces even on Channel 10. Well, because Channel 10 is also kind of complicated, but is also owned by CBS, they had their own sort of snippets of that special too. So... That special, dare I say, was not as special as (laughs) perhaps they wanted it to be. But Channel 7 are basically paying a million dollars to get this exclusive interview. Now, sources told the Daily Telegraph that Matt Doran had been allocated a 20 to 30 minute interview slot with Adele. Apparently, she was, shall we say, a little put off because at the end of the interview, she realised that he had not asked a single question about her album. So she asked him, what do you think of my album? To which he replied, I haven't listened to it. Who flies halfway across the world, to the other side of the world, in fact, and doesn't think, hmm, I need to do the most like nominal level of research of this major pop star that I'm about to interview that my bosses have paid a million dollars for me to do. It's interesting as well because there's no shortage of coverage on this album. As we said before, it's everywhere. We know what the album's about. We know who she's writing it for. Like there is stuff you can find very easily that he clearly just didn't ask about. Now, there were differing reports, we should say, about what actually specifically went down, as there are always going to be. This is a line from Daily Telegraph's report. While seven insiders told the Sunday Telegraph the singer offended walked from the interview, music insiders contradicted this, saying the interview had already been conducted when the singer probed Doran on his research. You know you've done a shitty job when the interviewee is probing the interviewer on how much research yeah. they oh. did. Well, that's the thing, right? Now, apparently Sony had full veto rights over this interview. So even though Seven shot the interview, Sony had the power contractually to be like, we're not letting you run that, which is exactly what happened. I actually reckon 
reading this report, they probably had a full and fine interview to run. Yeah. But they just weren't allowed to run it. I want to know where that footage is. Who had someone's got that apparently it went for 29 minutes in the end. Someone has that 29 minute recording of Adele and Matt Doran. I want to see it. Well, I want to see the bit at the end when she goes, <laughs> Yeah. What did you think of the album? And I would love to know whether he went in confidently with, I actually haven't listened to it, or he went in sheepishly with, Oh, oh, um, you know, I haven't listened to it. I've got a hypothetical for you. Yeah. If you found yourselves in Matt's position Lie. and you hadn't listened, yeah, would you like them? But what if she followed it up with, oh, what's your favourite song? Or did just you like the order easy, of the song? Just say, easy on me, which is <laughs> I fitting because it's your single. <laughs> I, I just think it would be so rare for journos to pay, perhaps find themselves in yeah. this scenario. We would make sure that would never happen that's, to us. That's what's surprising. Seven, as we know, was forced to pull together a package featuring Australian artists singing Adele's songs (laughs) because they're a bit low on content. And now this story is making international news in places like The Guardian and the BBC. Matt Doran has apologised. His apology is interesting. He said he just missed the email that he got, which was a preview email which gave him a copy of all the songs. He told The Australian it was an oversight but not a deliberate snub. This is the most important email I have ever missed. If this had happened in Australia and say Matt Doran had 15 minutes to run from one studio to another to interview Adele, I would probably be more forgiving. We know for a fact that Matt Doran was held hostage in a plane for at least like, what's the plane? 24 hours. 24 hours with nothing to do but listen to music and watch movies, there are literally zero excuses that can kind of get him out of this one. It's also bizarre because on the same morning that this Daily Telegraph report came out (laughs) slamming Matt Doran, he was boasting on TV that morning that he was, and I quote, a monstrous fan of Adele. Can you be a monstrous fan of Adele if you don't even listen to her album? Well, this is what's funny. So this is according to the Daily Mail and Pedestrian have reported it too, that during the show his co-host said, with the new album being called 30, we've been asked in droves, how old is Adele? It's only right we should ask Australia's biggest Adele fan, (laughs) Matt Doran. And then he said, I am a monstrous fan. Now, this is more than two weeks after that whole shit went down. So here he is on TV knowing full well that that whole interview was canned and he's telling the world he's a monstrous fan. (laughs) I do want to know how this happens, right? The album, as you said, is about 58 minutes long. He had a 20-hour flight. You absolutely can close your eyes and listen to it then. Is this peak arrogance? Do we need to give him greater benefit of the doubt? Where do you personally sit? I mean... I don't really want to give someone the benefit of the doubt for not doing their job. When a, I'm, I know it's not as serious as the kind of parallel I'm about to draw, but we expect that a doctor or a nurse or anyone in the medical profession gets across that patient's details and history before they then make a medical decision. <laughs> you know, yeah, and also not quite. I understand when you say it's not quite the same comparison, but I appreciate where you're going. But although this isn't super serious, yes, there aren't lives on the line. It is $1 million on the line and a huge interview that only one person in the country gets to hold. As an interviewer, I would love an opportunity like that and I think thousands of people across the country would love an opportunity like that and would listen to the album on repeat and do all of this research to make sure that they are doing the best job they can. I do think it is arrogance to rock up in London having not heard a single song on this album. Yeah, it's interesting because I think what's also important context is the backdrop of the industry that we all work in. Mm. Like we have spoken on this podcast at length about how we have just shed job after job after job after job in the media industry because there's not much work around. There's also not a lot of money in it, particularly for people who are writing music stuff. And I just couldn't help but think how many music journos would kill for this gig. Who would and spend, kill it. And who would spend hours researching. And I think this is also one of the pitfalls of the industry, I think, is there's kind of no longer people that specialise in certain areas. You've just kind of got your go-to people that interview about everything who aren't experts in it. Your former crime reporter. Like why are we even sending the crime reporter to interview Adele in the first place? Well, it's also interesting because this morning there was another report that said he wasn't even their first choice, that they wanted people like Sonia Kruger or whatever. But I'm like, I just don't know if it's relevant. They just send their big stars. And I understand why they send their big stars. But I do think the big stars owe it to everybody more junior than them who would kill for this gig to do the research. I do say I hope that 
he is doing okay. I can imagine being in the centre of a storm like this over something that isn't life or death mm. would be very hard. Yeah. I, I think it would be remiss of us to ignore that. That said, I hope it's a lesson for any star as big as Matt Doran to take their job really seriously and to not wing it because if they do, they might become a laughing stock. Coming up after the break, Jennifer Lawrence is back in the public eye after disappearing for over three years. And then what do you do if your friend is photoshopping their Instagram photos within an inch of their life and everyone's talking about it? But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. <laughs> news. <laughs> news. Good day, Zara. News <laughs> cycle. Michelle Nudie. Oh. Andrews. I still feel naked even now. <laughs> what have you got for me? I hope you're not. <laughs> I can't see me. I have eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, let's go. Let's do it. My first story. Kim Kardashian was photographed wearing Yeezys while holding hands with Pete Davidson. That is from BuzzFeed. Yes, guys, we have to speak about Kim and Pete again because they keep giving us headlines to talk about. Yes. So the first sighting of Kim and Pete this week, Mish, was when they were seen holding hands as they got out of a car in Palm Springs. According to page six, this is a quote, (laughs) she's finally indulging in a little public Pete D.A. (laughs) (laughs) Who wrote that? I love him. I had to sneak that in. (laughs) I hate that. Make it stop. Davidson was seen wearing a pair of Kim's pyjama pants. Like we all know Skims is her major business right now, the one she's really pushing the most. And he was wearing an item from the Skims range, which kind of made fans... I don't know, raise an eyebrow maybe to be like, is this a hint that everything is for PR, that they're simply kind of wanting to drum up some press about their own profiles, their own businesses? Because why else is he seen wearing skims on the one occasion they're holding hands? Well, I think also if you watch the video of them, I know there are like stills out there, but if you watch the video of them getting out of the car and walking past the paparazzi, they hold hands for like literally half a second. I don't even think their fingers interlock Mm. at all they just sort of like brush each other and then keep walking which means they knew exactly what they're doing they knew exactly the photo that they wanted to get now as we said in the headline Kim was also spotted in a pair of Yeezys which I really don't think matters that much because (laughs) Yeezys are quite popular pair of shoe and from all reports she still has an okay and amicable relationship with Kanye right yeah exactly right so We did have that storyline, Kim in Yeezys, we had Pete in Skims, and then on Tuesday, Australia time, the Daily Mail published another set of pap photos of the couple. This time they were leaving a restaurant, they had had dinner together, and they were walking towards Pete Davidson's Lamborghini, which just, like, I'm surprised he owns a Lamborghini. He seems like the kind of guy who would be above having a flashy car. Absolutely not. (laughs) Well, clearly not. Clearly you're right. He's entering into a Kardashian PR relationship of course he would have a Lamborghini so he had a hickey on his neck he did and he was deliberately facing the cameras so that they could see the hickey on his neck and it was purple and dare I say I mean I'm not gonna doubt it maybe it was a real hickey but it doesn't look super real like it looks like the kind of thing where it could potentially be someone blotting him with a bit of purple eyeshadow and then what was really interesting about the photos is that like when they got into his car they were pissing themselves like Kim and Pete were giggling so much And I was like, they are having the best time ever doing this. Like, it is so clear. I think we can say that Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson are not dating. They're not going to get married. I think (laughs) that if they were properly dating, we wouldn't be hearing about it at all, let alone the amount that we're hearing about it. I just reckon they get along really well. Well, when a Kardashian relationship is serious, like when they actually see longevity there, say Kim and Kanye back in 2011, 2012, or Kourtney Kardashian, Travis Barker, they go to ground for a bit. Like they really nourish that relationship by giving it the privacy it needs, at least for like a month or two months. Of course, they're the Kardashians. They're always going to be public eventually. To think that this is a relationship where we have seen literally every outing, paparazzi have just happened to be at every single date they've ever been on. This isn't something that they're actually serious about. They are mocking the absolute living bejesus out of all of us. Yeah, totally. And I think a lot of people are pointing out, well, surely the Kardashians are just using this as a distraction 
from Astro World. We put this to our listeners on Friday in Your Safe Friday and tens of thousands of you weighed in and it was really completely split down the middle, wasn't it, Miss? Yeah. So we asked you guys, do you think this is a PR relationship or a rebound relationship? Like have they just gone out of serious relationships and now they're just kind of rebounding together? More listeners, more shameless listeners think this is a rebound than a PR relationship. But this was before the hand-holding and the hickey on the neck. And I think when we poll them again, which we will on Your Say Friday tomorrow, I think more people are going to start to say this has to be PR. There's too much now. Like, it's making me uncomfortable. Are you annoyed at the Kardashians for trying to put this out to the world when it feels very obvious what they're trying to do? Well, I don't know if Kim Kardashian is actually trying to do that. Like, I'm not as comfortable as saying this is absolutely what's going on without a shadow of a doubt. Potentially. I mean, we see headlines about the Kardashians every single week. There is something else in the quick and dirty about them to talk about. Literally, if you went across Shameless episodes, the Kardashians feature, I would feel comfortable saying, in 95% of Shameless episodes. So can I sit here and be like, there's another Kardashian story. They're distracting us. No, because they're constantly wanting us to talk about them. So I'm not as comfortable with that. Yeah, it's interesting because for me, I guess correlation doesn't at the moment equal causation. Like I'm not entirely sold on this idea that they've concocted this relationship as distraction for Astroworld. I think they would absolutely know that it's working well for them though. I just wouldn't be surprised if Kim's trying to sell her skims. Pete Davidson has a couple of movies or Netflix specials coming up. It's great for his career. It's great for his brand and it's working for the both of them. Mm. Annabelle, PR? Mm. Yes. I just don't see them together for real. I wish they were. They'd be kind of funny together. Imagine if they had a kid. Imagine Kim and Pete having a kid. I just love watching them giggle in the car. Maybe that's why I kind of want them to date because I'm like, oh, they clearly get along so well. They're having like these massive giggling fits. But alas, I don't think it's to be. Great content for his future stand-up shows as well. My second story, Married at First Sight groom Simon Blackburn is removed from the 2022 season after he used vile, homophobic and misogynistic slurs and said he won't date women over six. 60 kilograms in leaked TikTok videos. That is from the Daily Mail. Yeah. So an interesting story to come out of Channel 9 this week. Reportedly, after filming the entire season of Married at First Sight, one of the grooms will be cut out of the show entirely due to his offensive activity on social media. Yeah, curious because we need to say all of this social media stuff preceded him being cast in the show. Like this is stuff that people are dredging up from six months to 18 months ago. So not new stuff that he's done since filming Married at First Sight. He is a FIFO minor. We said in the headline, his name is Simon Blackburn. And he did feature in one of the very first trailers for Married at First Sight 2022. But very quickly, people started to notice him. He's actually quite prolific on TikTok. He's kind of like a serial troll who continually has his account removed because of the very offensive, hate speech filled things that he's saying on the app. Now, a Nine spokesperson confirmed on Tuesday night that Simon will be edited out of the network show after they were made aware of his social media activity. And I find this very curious because I'm almost in disbelief that Channel 9 didn't know about this stuff. I've known about this guy for ages. Anyone with a TikTok account has probably had something about this guy. Like even if it's just a five-second snippet of him and then a woman's reaction to the gross things that he's saying. Lots and lots of people knew Simon Blackburn before Married at First Sight cast him. Do I believe that they had no idea he was on TikTok and saying these gross homophobic sexist things? Not really. I don't believe him at all. No. This is how they found him. Like they sought him out because of his TikTok fame to be on this show. And I wonder one of two things could have happened. I fundamentally believe they would have picked him up from TikTok and thought he's perfect for Married at First Sight. And maybe they thought either they could get away with it and it would stir up a bunch of controversy or that they knew that this was going to happen, that they knew eventually they would have to cut him out of the show. They filmed him in such a way where it's actually not going to be hard for them to cut him out of the show. And this just stirs up more conversations about the fact that Married at First Sight is coming back. Either way, it's just annoying. Like how many conversations do we have to have about the personalities that they're putting on reality TV Mm. and like the damage that that does? Yeah, Channel 9's official statement to The Wash read, when unacceptable social media content was discovered in relation to Simon Blackburn, we immediately took steps to remove him from the program. We won't be making further comment. 
very, very quick between this breaking on Monday and by Tuesday, they're saying, oh, he's going to be out of it anyway. Don't worry. It's just a very neat bow on a very unusual story. Totally. My third story, Sean Mendes and Camilla Cabello have broken up. That's from the cut. Annabelle Lee, you look like you're in emotional distress. I've been mourning for days. I have too. I care. I mm. liked them. Who cares? Me. Me. No. I just said that. <laughs> nah, sorry. I, you could not make me care about Sean Mendes and Camilla Cabello if you tried. But feel free to have a convo about it. Well, here we go. (laughs) So last week on Instagram, they posted a statement on both of their stories. It read, hey, guys, we've decided to end our romantic relationship, but our love for one another is stronger than ever as is what they all say. (laughs) We started our relationship as best friends and will continue to be best friends. We so appreciate your support from the beginning and moving forward. So Sean and Camilla met in 2014, but were only really linked or first linked romantically in 2019 after working on Senorita Mm. together. They have been dating for two years, but it feels far longer than that. I feel like they used to have been together forever. And I remember they were kind of the internet's punching bag for a time when they first got together because they were so PDA filled. Remember how much they were making out all the time? And there was that weird video of them on Twitter maybe where they like licked each other's faces. Oh, I do not remember that. (laughs) Maybe this is why we're so sad about them breaking up and Michelle is not. I'm happy I won't be seeing those videos anymore. Yeah, well, they haven't done them in a while. It has naturally sparked a bunch of rumours about what went wrong because they were posting together on Instagram just a week or two before. Mm. So it it feels like it's gone sour quite quickly. Or maybe it's just been sort of one of those long run-ups to a breakup where it's just like slowly not working anymore, but there's no anger. I think the latter. All of the posts are still on social media. It seems like they're really happy to leave those good memories as a couple up. It seems like they're more just friends now. I don't think you'd be posting together. Like the way they're talking about each other and the way they're kind of dealing with social media right now screams of a we're better as friends kind of situation. What I did find interesting, I didn't care a heap about this story, but one angle I really cared about was once again, the celebrity gossip account Demois on Instagram. Dick's Moing. was the first to get this scoop. Just before this was announced in the news, Demois posted a blind item that alleged Cabello, Camilla Cabello, was spotted on a plane talking to a friend about the breakup. I love that Demois gets this. I'm obsessed with this story. It's like Big Brother. So Demois posted this in the days before the breakup was formally announced. My fiancé is on a plane from MIA to LAX and sees Camilla Cabello sitting in business class with another girl scrolling the movies as she asked the friend, what would you watch if you just went through a breakup? Happy things or sad things? The friend said, happy first and then you can do sad. Camilla responded, yes, I do not want to start sobbing on this plane. Hats off to Demois. I love their stuff. I need to start paying far more attention to the stuff they're reporting. I think there's just so many stories that sometimes I can't watch them all, so I skip past. A quick conspiracy theory here. Ooh. Do we think that the reason Demois was confident posting that to their stories was because this story is maybe made up and it came directly from someone who was like in the camp and the way that they could kind of hide the fact that they are really close to Camilla and Sean is by making up a story like this? Because this just feels tiny bit left field. Mm, So uh, the motivation for the friend would just be stirring a little bit of drama? Yeah, or just being like, you know, I think it's a very human thing to be like, I have this story Mm. before anyone else does. I'm going to leak it to Demois, but I'm going to make up a story that makes it sound like I just heard her talking about it. Risky business though, because if you're Camilla Cabello and you know you weren't on a plane crying or talking about movies, you would know there's a rat in your midst. Maybe. I don't know. It just feels very convenient. And maybe that's the beauty of the story. But it's it's a funny one, isn't it? Very funny. My fourth story, a very quick one. Tammy Hembrow announces engagement to Matt Pool. That is from news.com. I would say Tammy Hembrow is Australia's largest influencer export. She has been in the quick and dirty recently because not only does she have 13.5 million followers, she also recently made the AFR Young Rich list with a net worth of 38 million. She is engaged, Zara. Yes. Yeah, so for those who missed it over the weekend, Tammy got engaged after a surprise proposal from her partner of a year, Matt Poole. He is a former 
Iron Man athlete. I'm always forever impressed by Iron Man athletes. I'm confused by the whole thing. How do you become an Iron Man athlete? You just, you're, you're born just super that fit. way. <laughs> you are just the world's fittest human. You right. are just natural. I think it's just, you, it's got to be a lung capacity mm. thing. And I hope there are no doctors or anything. <laughs> that, that makes no sense. Lung capacity. Now, it all took place on a boat involving Tammy's two young children, which was very sweet. She shares those two kids with her ex-partner and fellow influencer, Reese Hawkins. Yeah, an interesting dynamic has kind of emerged between Tammy and Reese of recent months. Tammy recently confirmed on her Instagram story that since Reese moved to America with his new partner and their new baby, she is now a full-time mum to her children. So it is an interesting time in her life, but super exciting. I also love the engagement ring. Big fat engagement ring. <laughs> I haven't even seen it. It's like the size of a – the diamond is like the size I'm of a knuckle. Surprised it knocked you out from the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. My fifth story, cover story, Jennifer Lawrence. I didn't have a life. I thought I should go get one. That is from Vanity Fair. This is probably one of my favourite profiles in the last month or so, Mish. Jennifer Lawrence is back. It was a really wonderful profile in Vanity Fair this week because as we know with Jennifer Lawrence, after ascending to the highest of highs in Hollywood, she completely disappeared for the last two or three years. She had an Oscar under her belt at the age of 19. She was one of the highest paid actresses in Hollywood and then she just retreated completely from the public eye and that was a very deliberate decision we now know from her because in this profile it really details her nervousness at being back, especially now that she is married, she's pregnant with a baby on the way and she seems now fiercely protective of her privacy and she seems desperate to go about her relationship with fame in a very different way. Yeah, she almost seems shell-shocked from her previous experiences in the spotlight. Like the way she carried herself, the way she is described in this interview screams of a woman who's extremely nervous to be back and who was kind of a little bit scarred by the way the public spoke and wrote about her back in 2018. So this is one quote from the piece. So urgent is Lawrence's desire for privacy that she recently gave up her beloved dog, Pippi. The paparazzi had come to count on their daily walks in Central Park, so now the dog can chase squirrels unbothered on her parents' farm in Kentucky. This profile made me think a lot of things, but I think the crux of a lot of what I walked away from this piece with was about the oversaturation of women. Like the concept, and I have peddled this myself, I've thought about this myself, of like, oh, women who are everywhere for a time, women who are in too many movies or who reach success too quickly or are too successful for too long – we kind of talk about how, oh, don't like, don't be overexposed or don't oversaturate yourself in the media landscape because people will get sick of you. And I realised reading this Jennifer Lawrence piece, the concept of overexposure or oversaturation is not something I ever consider with male celebrities. You can be any male celebrity on any level of fame from George Clooney to my mind's gone blank on literally <laughs> any other men. Give me one more. <laughs> literally anyone else. Bradley Cooper. You could be anyone of any level of fame as a man and I will never think in my head or never occur to me that you are overexposed. But I did used to think that with Jennifer Lawrence and I have thought that with famous women since. Well, I think we peddle it out often as a need for women to be strategic about how saturated they are or how often they are public. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like and when it came to Jennifer Lawrence, she was everywhere for a time and she knew that. This was one of the quotes from the piece. I just think everybody had gotten sick of me. I'd gotten sick of me. It had gotten to a point where I couldn't do anything right. If I walked a red carpet, it was, why didn't she run? I think I was people pleasing the majority of my life. Working made me feel like nobody could be bad at me. Okay, I said, yes, we're doing it. Nobody's mad. And then I felt like I reached a point where people were not pleased just by my existence. So that kind of shook me out of thinking that work or your career can bring any kind of peace to your soul. Mm. So she clearly, as such a people pleaser, was saying yes to so many projects because she didn't want to disappoint anyone. You also hear a lot in Hollywood this really intrinsic fear that a lot of actors have that the work will dry up so they keep saying yes to projects but with those projects comes a bunch of publicity, a lot of press, mandatory press that they have to do and so they just don't escape the public eye at all. What is it? Is it that our fuse for women is shorter? Yes. Or we want, like I wonder if this has been something that I held within myself particularly before I began to kind of recognise my own internalised misogyny 
do we think that women can be successful and they should be putting themselves out there, but in a way that makes them meek and mild? Like put yourself out there, but we don't want to hear all these interviews with you and we don't want you having all these funny moments on red carpets and at awards shows because after a while it's not cute anymore. You seem manufactured and it's annoying to us. Like what is it about women in the public eye where we only want them to be up? We only want their star to rise for a time. We don't want them to stay for very long or be relevant for very long. I actually don't know if it's as much about wanting them to be meek and mild because I actually don't know if that's possible when you're in the public eye to the level that these people are doing interviews all the time. I think it's that we don't want to see them all the time. It's like stop being annoying, stop always being in my face because I think we think that they are putting themselves there by choice rather than being thrust upon us by media outlets and like a press tour. Another quote that I found really interesting was this one. The attention on me was so high and extreme that in a bizarre way, the set had become a great escape. Everybody treats you normally. It's not like you walk into hair and makeup and everyone are like, oh my God, but you get burnt out. Eventually I had to ask myself, am I saying yes because I want to go to work the next day or am I doing this because I want to make this movie? Mm. She was going there to escape the public eye but in doing that you're sort of thrusting yourself into the public eye even more Mm. and and I guess it reminded me a tiny bit of that Taylor Swift documentary where she said you know women constantly in the public eye need to be reinventing themselves in order to stay Mm. relevant and then it also reminded me of that really really good and sobering interview that Kira Knightley did where she said that she had to go backpacking for a year mid-fame because she had a nervous breakdown because Mm. the the scrutiny was too much and I think we so often actually demand that women take space from the public eye when we see them too much because we simply can't handle it. Yeah, and it's interesting because we've actually interviewed famous women before who have remarked to us that they're concerned about oversaturation or overexposure. Like we've interviewed men as well and I've never had that be a concern come back to us, but women are very particular with when they say yes to even a podcast interview because they're so paranoid about being annoying. Yeah, and I think because of that, because we've spoken to women, Australian women about that and they've admitted that to us we've internalized it to be Mm. like we've got to be considering we're on mic two three times a week we have to be very careful about where we exist outside of that because fuck you don't want to piss people off you don't want to be in too many places at once Mm. it's so interesting Annabelle do you think that you ever judged Jennifer Lawrence for being everywhere or being too big too loud oh yeah for sure and even before when you were saying we all often think am I being annoying it's even like for day-to-day regular people women who often think like Am I being annoying? And they often say to other people in their lives, am I being annoying? Like, should I have stepped back a bit? Well, when you're sitting around a drinks table maybe, like Mm. of a Saturday night and waking up the next morning being like, was I demanding too much space and too much time in that place? But I will say from personal experience, the times that we feel like we're doing the most, right, we might be pushing a book or doing some publicity at the times when the noise is the loudest. There is a direct correlation between how much you're doing and and how loud the negative feedback is. And that is really overwhelming. So I think it's also a survival thing to be like, if I pull back, it won't be as loud. I think that's all we've got for today's Quick and Dirty. Yeah, I think that is. That was a real rant. That's why I loved it. (laughs) Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. All right, team, we've got another mailbag to open today. Annabelle Lee, please do the honours. This listener writes, Hi, shameless girls. I was wondering your advice on how to go about talking to a friend about them noticeably photoshopping their own Instagram photos or whether I should at all. For context, my friend is tall, fit and beautiful, literally model material, but photoshops her bum and waist to a noticeable degree, where even our mutual friends have made comments to me about it, like, is she okay? What is she doing to her photos? Doesn't she realise everyone can tell? So I guess my dilemma is, if you were in my position, would you say anything at all? And if yes, how would you go about it? I wouldn't want to make her feel uncomfortable or insecure, especially as we try not to critique other people's bodies. Ooh. A tough one. Oh. Over to you, Michelle Andrews, to kick us off. I have been in this exact situation before in that when I was younger, a friend who was in my life at the time was significantly face-tuning her photos. It wasn't her body but it was her face and I remember it being something of a talking point between people and I don't think I handled it in the best way. I would have been maybe 20 at the time and I didn't do anything about it. I just kind of thought it wasn't really my domain or something for me to talk about. I also think if we're going to start on personal experience with this, I used to face tune my photos a little bit. I remember I had 
this insecurity about my skin, like I had textured skin, I had some acne on my cheeks and on my chin. And so I used to use this blurring tool on my face to kind of make my skin look more smooth and I guess not look like it had acne. And I will never forget the day Evelyn, my little sister, saw me upload something to Instagram and she turned to me, we were sitting on the couches at home and she's like, why the fuck do you keep doing that to your face in front of <laughs> Like only a sibling could. Yeah. And I remember being shocked because I couldn't believe that she could detect it. And I couldn't believe that she would say it to me that bluntly, but it was very helpful looking back because I stopped doing it. Like the the awareness of, oh God, like I look a bit silly was important for me because it kind of snapped me out of what is a pretty toxic behavior. Like it is a little bit toxic for us to all edit our photos and pass ourselves off as more perfect versions of ourselves that simply don't exist. So I will start by saying that. I think I've thought about this a lot over the years because not only have I face-tuned myself and been kind of guilty on that side, I've also been guilty of not probably handling this the best when I've had my own friend face-tune. I am really torn on this one because I know in my heart I don't know if I would have the balls to tell a friend this, but I also know that in and of itself that doesn't make it the more compassionate thing to do because you are uncomfortable about it. I think this is obviously laced, like editing photos and women's insecurity is laced with like a wealth of other really complicated factors, right? So many complicated factors that make this just an incredibly complex thing to talk about. I think if if this anonymous listener put this to us and said she was photoshopping her photos to a noticeable degree, but that was it. I think my advice would actually be maybe leave it. Mm. Like we all have our stuff. I don't know if it would be beneficial to her mental health or her insecurities to feel like people were noticing. I also think it would be different if she was a public figure of some kind who had some sort of impressionable audience. I think it's worth having a conversation about responsibility if that is the case. I mean, we've spoken about this quite a lot on the show. We spoke at length earlier this year about Khloe Kardashian and what her responsibility is to the millions of young women that follow her. But I do think it's a very different set of circumstances when the photoshopping is being done by someone who isn't having a huge impact on thousands of young women or men who follow them. So I will put that out there from the start. I think for me, the greatest issue here comes from knowing that someone's talking shit about your friend and like, what is your role as a friend? Because I would say my role as a friend is to protect them in whatever way I can. If I know that people are noticing this and talking about it behind my back, I don't want them to be a joke to people. Like you just don't. Yeah. And it's a tricky one because I know people are often like titillated by conversations like this. Like, of course, we've all had conversations like this where it's like, oh, don't they realize that that's really obvious editing or don't they see that the poles in the background are distorted because they've edited their arms to be slimmer or they've edited their waist or their bum or whatever. Like we've all, I'm pretty sure, had a conversation about editing that is bordered on snarky or has just been gossipy and sugary. But I think if it's to the level where this is an ongoing thing, people are talking about photo after photo and asking this listener who's written into us, how can't your friend see? Like, how can't she know that this is so obvious? We're almost talking about a situation of body dysmorphia. Like we are speaking about someone who is editing her photos to such a degree that she has no real touch point with reality. She can't tell that it's so obvious And I think when you're having conversations like this or there's gossiping going on like this, it could be helpful to try and stop the gossiping at its source when you are privy to it to say, guys, if we think a little bit more deeply about this, couldn't this be coming from quite a concerning place? Like what is someone's mental health like or what is someone's body image like if they are editing their photos within an inch of their life and not realising that that's very obvious to us? And then that sort of argument convinces me that I am wrong in my gut to ignore this even if people aren't talking about it. Because when you frame it like that, it's like, you know, you're absolutely right. The chances are this is just a physical representation of a greater mental health issue. And as a caring friend, the easier thing to do, yes, is to pretend that it doesn't exist. The harder thing to do is to go in and say, I think something might be up here and let's try and work out how to get you some help. Mm, Yeah, if you genuinely care about your friend, and I say this as a person who tries to avoid conflict in all forms of my life, I think you need to say something. Yeah, I, think you I need agree to suck with you. it up and probably speak to your friend. And I think it needs to start really gently. If it was me as someone who avoids conflict like the plague, I would probably start 
by trying to have like a DNM with her or say it's like a wine night or you've just finished dinner or you're in the car, whatever. And I would start by speaking about an insecurity of my own, like how I'm feeling about my body or something I'm struggling with at the moment to kind of level. And then I would probably try and bring up, how are you feeling? Like, what's going on with you? Are you feeling good about yourself? Whatever, whatever. And hoping that that's an easy way for her to start talking about the way that she's feeling. No one's doing this to their photos if they're feeling really comfortable and confident in their skin. So I would try to level with her by kind of opening the door to your own insecurities and hoping that she opens hers. If she doesn't, I think you just need to bite the bullet and be really compassionate and gentle and raise it with her in whatever way you can. Yeah, I think gentleness is absolutely key because I think there would be a bit of shame about this. I don't think anyone feels good. Embarrassment. Yeah, absolutely. No one feels good about doing this. And I think having that front of mind is the most important thing to make sure that they feel like this is a safe space where there's no judgment. But I agree with you. Like I do think going back on myself, if these photos are being edited to such a degree that you think that perhaps there is a greater mental health issue at play, then yeah, I think regardless of whether people are talking about it or not, you have to have that conversation. And then with that added layer of knowing that she could be become the laughing stock of bitchy people. Like mm. I do think it is your role as a good friend to nip that in the bud. Yeah, and, and to also, be loyal. And also call those people out. Yeah, mm. I agree. I think as well, loyalty is such a precious thing in a friend, particularly in our early or mid-20s, which I'm guessing these women probably are. That is a time of life where loyal friends are worth their weight in gold and she might not like it and she might feel uncomfortable on the spot when you bring it up to her. But like me with my little sister Evelyn, she will eventually thank you for it or she'll probably be really grateful that you at least came to her in a really compassionate, nurturing way. Yeah, I think that is all we've got time for today. Guys, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about this. It is a deeply complex one that's probably not an easy conversation to have in the few minutes that we've tried to have it in Mish but I think people will have opinions on this I also think so many of our listeners will come to us having had this experience too yeah have you been told by a friend that you're editing your photos too much have you experienced body dysmorphia that's kind of leaked out onto your online activity we really can't wait to hear from you all of that will be in tomorrow's Your Safe Friday but for now guys I think that's it if you want to follow along with what we're doing at the moment follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast also on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast yeah we are filming all of these episodes and most of those snippets live on tiktok so come and check us out you can see us in the flesh in the flesh i'm not naked guys thank you so much we will be back in your ears on monday for another episode of scandal annabelle anything to add no 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 bye, bye. <laughs>